0: The scripture reading today is from Matthew 12, 1 through 8. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence?" which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you read in the law how on the Sabbath and priests um, in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The word of the Lord.
1: well good morning again thank you james for reading our passage this morning we'll get to that text in just a few minutes but if you have a bible we'll be first in first samuel 21 picking up our story where we last uh, left off with david 1 Samuel 21. And this morning, uh, being the third Sunday of the month, this is Family Worship Sunday. Our practice is to, uh, for the kids class, as it normally meets during this time, for the kids to stay in the service. And so we welcome uh, families and kids of all ages. If you need some more space, uh, same goes for you adults. If you feel like you need to get up and run around, play tag or something, you can, the service is streamed also in the fellowship hall, but otherwise we welcome uh, everybody here for family worship. Well, several years ago, the church that we attended uh, had a missionary visit. It wasn't this church. It was a different church that Libby and I attended. Uh, this missionary that visited, were, they were focused on bringing the gospel to unreached people groups in Africa. And they shared a video, sort of a report, like missionaries often do, to show, share what God had been doing in their ministry, what had been happening since they last uh, visited and gave an update. Well, on this video, testimony after testimony of people sharing that had never before heard the gospel that were coming to Jesus, they were putting their faith in Christ uh, as their Savior. It was really exciting. This video showed new believers singing praise to God for the first time. They were celebrating uh, this newfound life in Christ. It was awesome. God's work among that people group, that previously unreached people group, was evident. It was so exciting. One would think This church that we were attending, everybody would have been really excited about that report. To see how their giving was making an impact in the world for Christ. One would think that everybody in that room, their reaction to this missionary report would be joy and excitement. Well, we'd be wrong if we were to assume that. Let me back up and give just a little bit of context about this church. A group of well-meaning people who definitely loved Jesus and loved God's Word, so why wouldn't they be excited? about people coming to Jesus? Well, uh, they had a few blind spots, as we all do, uh, when it comes to our way of seeing things. In an attempt to be as faithful as possible about obeying God's Word, they added some rules that weren't quite in Scripture, uh, just to be safe, maybe even to please God more. Rules about the kind of clothes you wear, the kind of places you go, uh, the kind of music you listen to, the pastor taught that any music with a beat, with a drum beat, was worldly and should be avoided. Uh, sorry, Mark. I don't know if you're in here. Yeah, I'm glad, maybe I'm glad he didn't hear that. Uh, in this video that we saw, this African tribe was singing praise to Jesus Christ, and there was a drum beat in the background. Not one person in the church, not two, but several long-time members of this church lined up outside the pastor's office that Sunday to demand that the church stop supporting this missionary because there was a drumbeat in the video. Now, to most of us, that sounds absolutely outrageous, and it should. To elevate something like a music preference or conviction over people putting their trust in Jesus Christ for salvation and That incident, that was one of the things that God used to lead my wife and I out of that kind of legalistic brand of Christianity. But the truth is that it's easy to look back and judge those people for that thing. That's human nature, isn't it? To get confused about our priorities. We all have a tendency to elevate our perspectives, our opinions, our even good convictions on biblical things elevate them to the level of absolute truth. Or we tend to think being right is the same thing as doing the right thing all the time. We come to an episode in the life of David uh, when immediate need called for an exception to usual practice of the law. Not only does God condone what happens here, but centuries later, as we just heard in Matthew 12, Jesus uses the same story to correct the Pharisees and us about our perspective. We'll see that human life is more sacred, it's more important than ritual. Jesus himself, will see how he elevates himself above everything, that we need to see this if we're to have a right spiritual perspective. But let's pray together as we come uh, to God's word. Well, Father, we come to you every, as we do every time we come to your word, totally dependent on your spirit to open up our hearts that we might live by what we hear. Not just to know it in our minds, but to have it in our hearts and to live it out with our actions. And so continue to transform us by your Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we continue our series through uh, David's life. We've seen him, if you haven't been with us the last few weeks, we've seen David anointed Uh, As the next king of Israel, we've seen him defeat the giant Goliath in this really famous display of faith and courage. We've seen God's favor on David in Saul's court. We've seen uh, David's friendship with Saul's son Jonathan. But very quickly, you know, things seem to be going really well for David, right? God's favor's on him. He's anointed. It seems like he can't lose. But very quickly, Saul's jealousy, Saul the king wants to kill David, how quickly things change for David, how quickly his circumstances go from what seemed to be great to pretty awful. Uh, And so we pick up our story this morning just after this emotional farewell that we saw a couple weeks ago between David and Jonathan, his close friend. And now David is on the run for his life from King Saul. So take a look at 1 Samuel 21, if you have that in front of you, starting in verse 1. Then David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech came to meet David, trembling, and said, Why are you alone and no one with you? we me stop right there for just a moment. So David comes to this city, Nob, and this was a temporary place, it seems, that the priests uh, would hang out, kind of a home base for them. Now this is a time in Israel's history before Jerusalem was taken and made the capital, the place where uh, God's people were to come to worship. This was before that. And so for now, at least, it seems the tabernacle is here in this town. This is where the priests are, and this is the first place David goes when he's on the run. Uh, The priest Ahimelech comes to David. It says he's trembling. There's been a lot going on. People seem to be aware of some of the tension that's been happening uh, in the country. And he could tell something's wrong. Just by looking at David, seeing him come in, you could tell something's wrong. Why? David, by this time, was a member of the king's court. He had been elevated over uh, Saul's soldiers. So why would David be here alone? Not without any kind of royal representative, not uh, without a bodyguard, anything like that. Something is wrong here and Ahimelech knows it. And David, of course, doesn't know if he can trust Ahimelech to provide help. So look at David's answer in verse 2. David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has charged me with a matter and said to me, Let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you and with which I have charged you. I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. So David kind of makes up this story. The king sent me on a mission. I can't say anything more about it. In a way, this is sort of true, right? Saul's after him, trying to kill him. So in indirectly, Saul did send David on this mission, we could say, Right? Uh, Some are quick here to point out that David's lying, and and we should be really clear here. David fails to trust God. How could David, who just defeated Goliath, utterly fail here and tell a lie? The argument goes, it's always wrong to lie, so David should have just told the truth and lived with the consequences. Now, others will say, hey, hey, wait a minute, he's just, he's stretching the truth a little bit to save his life from this homicidal maniac, Saul, and so it's okay, Let's let's give him a pass here. And others will say that David's answer, but when he says king, David is really implying the true king, God, Yahweh, Israel's ultimate king. If you've ever seen the TV show The Chosen, there's actually an episode that shows this scene of David coming to Ahimelech, and that's how the show interprets this passage, uh, how it portrays David. David points up and says, the king sent me on this mission. Uh, but however you view David's answer here, let's not be too quick to judge him. I want us to think for a moment. It's easy when we know this story just to sort of gloss over what this must have been like for this man. Think of these dramatic and sudden change of circumstance. He's running for his life. Even though he's been anointed as king, he's been uh, made part of the king's inner circle, he's this rising star, they're singing songs about him. And then all of a sudden he's running for his life from the most powerful man in the nation. A lot of people would have given up on God altogether already at this point in the story. Because it's human nature. We think our circumstances are telling us what God thinks about us. That our circumstances show us whether God loves us or not. But David shows no sign of losing faith here. I'm sure like we all would be in his shoes. We're all, he would be, he's struggling here. What are you doing, God? What's happening? How is this going to work out for, for in, in your plan? But he's still trusting. He still is a man of faith. He's still pursuing God's heart, even here in this dark time. Look at verse 3. David says, Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever's here. David and He seems to have a small band of men with him. They're hungry, they're starving, they're exhausted. Hey, Ahimelech, we'll take some loaves of bread, please, anything, any food you have on hand, but there's a problem. Verse 4, and the priest answered, David, I have no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread, if the young men have kept themselves from women. And so the problem that Ahimelech points out here, hey, there's no regular bread, there's no common bread. All that he has here is holy bread. Some of you are like, is this gluten-free bread? What's, what's this holy bread that I'm hearing about here? This is the bread of the presence. The bread of the presence. This was kept in the tabernacle as practiced before God, and it would be replaced regularly with, with hot bread. But even that discarded, those discarded loaves of bread were still not to be thrown away. They were not to be eaten by anybody but the Levitical priests. This was part of their portion, according to Leviticus 24. Now, David knew that. Ahimelech certainly knew that very well, but notice Ahimelech's response. He doesn't say, hey, have you read Leviticus? Who do you think you are? Because from the time of Moses onward, God's people knew that certain ceremonial laws could be broken in cases of emergency, especially to save life or to provide immediate need. It's a principle known as pikuach nefesh. Try to say that five times fast. That's Hebrew for saving a life. Now there's cases even of Moses making these exceptions. And so this was understood by the Jews then, it's understood by Jews today. And so Ahimelech here makes a judgment call. As a priest, he had the right to interpret and apply uh, the principles of the law, and he does that here. David and his men are starving, and so Ahimelech decides, hey, you can eat the bread as long as you observe some of these ritual up cleanness laws as the priests would do who eat this bread verse 5 and david answered the priest truly women have been kept from us as always when i go out on an expedition the vessels of the young men are holy even when it is an ordinary journey how much more today will their vessels be holy so the priest gave him the holy bread for there was no bread there but the bread of the presence which is removed from before the lord to be replaced by hot bread on the day it is taken away You could say here, technically, the law was broken. The Mosaic law was broken here. David and Ahimelech broke the law, God's law. But they're guiltless here. Because even in the Old Testament, this principle is true. Life is more important than bread, even holy bread. Compassion and mercy take precedence over ritual when there is human need. And this is seen later in the prophets over and over as God's people go astray. They're still going through the motions of their sacrifices and their worship, and yet their hearts are far from God. As God says through Hosea, I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. God is the one who prescribed these offerings, these sacrifices, these rituals, but, so they're, they're not wrong. They're wrong if they take precedence over a right heart before God. And so that's an incredibly dangerous place to be spiritually. Israel in Scripture was often there. We're not exempt from that today as God's people. We're so good at deceiving ourselves because we can tell ourselves, hey, we're checking the boxes, right? Maybe it's a a legalistic set of rules we follow like I used to do. Many of us have a background like that. We can tell ourselves we're pleasing God by following all the rules, by being good boys and girls. There could be really good, clear things in Scripture, right? Gathering uh, in worship with your church family, reading your Bible, giving faithfully, the things God commands us to do. Even those good things, those commands, obeying doesn't take the place of a right heart before God. The heart that we're focusing on in this series, a heart pursuing God's heart. And so now with this scene of David and Ahimelech in our minds, let's turn now, if you, if you have it in front of you, Matthew 12. Matthew 12, the passage we heard James read in our scripture reading. This is clearly connected to our passage in 1 Samuel because Jesus references, references this story. The gospel writers thought this was important enough to include in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're just going to consider it in Matthew. But Matthew 12, starting in verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. So for context, first they had just got done reprimanding Jesus for healing someone on the Sabbath, which is always amazing to me. They don't recognize the miracle. They get hung up on the infraction. And now they confront Jesus for his disciples picking heads of grain on the Sabbath as they walked along the road. Now, if you know your Old Testament, God's people were commanded not to work on the Sabbath, right? That's one of the Ten Commandments, pretty clear. But just to be safe, the Pharisees added all sorts of more rules and regulations on top of God's teaching about Sabbath. So they added 39 categories of work that were forbidden on the Sabbath. 39. Uh, picking heads of grain was simply, if you've never seen this or done this before, it's just picking the top off a head of grain. They would rub it together and they'd pop it in their mouth and eat it. Pretty simple. But in the Pharisees' mind, they were, they were reaping the grain just by plucking the head off the top of grain. They, they were winnowing the grain by rubbing it in their hands. They were threshing the grain because some chaff would have come off as they rubbed it together. And they were preparing a meal because they popped it in their mouth. So at least four, according to the Pharisees' interpretation, at least four violations of Sabbath the disciples are are doing here, at least four. Someone who claimed to be the Messiah, who's performing miracles right in front of their eyes, and they're going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You ever know anybody like that? you're in violation of code 31-C. Or specifically, you're in violation of Mishnah Shabbat 7-2. So focused on the letter of the law, they're missing their own Messiah. He's standing right in front of them. He's giving them signs and wonders. He's reading from their scriptures to say, this is me that Isaiah is talking about. And now we heard the text read a few minutes ago, And so for the rest of this passage, I want us to to hear it and see it from a clip of the same episode from the TV show, The Chosen, I mentioned uh, a moment ago. This is from an episode in season two that, like I said, includes this scene of David David and Ahimelech, so check it out sometime if you've never seen it. But I'm going to show this clip from Matthew 12 of this scene. Now for context, the one who's talking here and the one who first eats the heads of grain is Peter. All right, take a look.
0: What? What? Reaping or harvesting on Shabbat. Oh, yes. I'm sorry, I've been so hungry, I forgot what day it is. You have made me markery of our synagogue and of Torah. You will tell us your name, your lineage, your... First you and now your disciples are doing what what is
1: not lawful to do on the Sabbath.
0: Have you not read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He entered the house of God in the time of Ahimelech, the priest, and ate the bread of the presence which was not lawful for him to eat, but only for the priests. You would compare yourself to David. It was an emergency. Or have you not read in the law how on Shabbat, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath, but are guiltless. That's for Levites. Are you a Levite of priestly lineage? Listen carefully. Something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So, the Son of Man, is Lord, even of the Sabbath. The Son of Man. Let's go. That title, Son of Man, seems to upset a lot of people. Why?
1: Tell you later. Did you notice that the Pharisees in that clip they didn't take issue as much Jesus' examples, did they? They acknowledged what he was saying, but but that was David. Are you comparing yourself to David? That was an emergency, or that was for the Levites, right? So even they acknowledged there were exceptions, and in a way, they have a point here. Matthew is careful to tell us in this passage they're hungry. But were they starving to death? Probably not. Probably not starving to death. Jesus is not only teaching here the same principle of piquach nefesh as they understood it, he's using this principle to say more, to say more about himself. Did you notice the Pharisee in the clip say, uh, you would compare yourself to David? And that's exactly what's happening here. The short answer is yes, Jesus is the new David, as great as David was. He was only pointing to Jesus, the King of Kings. David was a man after God's own heart. Jesus is the man with God's heart. And Jesus says something greater than the temple is here. The temple was the earthly place where God met with his people in the Old Testament. And here, standing right before these Pharisees, is God himself in human flesh. The Son of Man, which really offended them in the clip, is a clear statement that he's the Messiah. He's Lord of the Sabbath. Now, if Ahimelech the priest, back then in our passage in 1 Samuel 21, had the authority to interpret and apply the law in this extreme case, how much more does Jesus have this authority? The author of the law, the fulfillment of the law, to correct our understanding. So let's not be like these Pharisees here, to be so blinded by our own soapboxes, by our own priorities and opinions that we miss the greatest priority of all. If you don't know Jesus Christ is your Savior, it's, it's not about being a good person. It's not about checking all the religious boxes to make God happy enough with you to accept you into heaven someday. It's not at all what Scripture teaches. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way to the Father. Through Jesus Christ, we are forgiven of our sin. Through Jesus, we are reconciled to the Father. He gives us his life, his nephesh. And as believers, we constantly need to do a heart check. We need to ask ourselves are my priorities still straight? Have my convictions on secondary things, have my perspectives on current issues and politics, have those become more important to me? Do I get more fired up and angry or upset about those things than about the need to show compassion, to show mercy, to share the gospel? Is being right about everything, like the Pharisees, more important to me than doing the right thing to help my neighbor? See, Jesus is Lord of it all. He's Lord of everything, and that includes our beliefs, our convictions, our practices. He is the priority, must be the priority in all of it. Knowing him, serving him, loving him, sharing his life with those around us. He is the Lord of our hearts. This is key to having a heart like David, a heart that pursues God's heart. Growing as disciples is us giving our hearts more and more to God, giving more and more of our heart to Christ. So notice the disciples were not starving that day. But Jesus was making a point that they were starving in a sense, in a spiritual sense, as we all are. We all have a deep human need that takes precedence really over anything else. Over Sabbath rules, and that's the human need for him. The need for Jesus, the bread of life. The spread of his kingdom in our broken world. And so if you don't know Jesus Christ, your greatest need is Jesus. If you do know Jesus, your greatest need is Jesus. More of Jesus, to be closer and closer to Jesus. We can be like David here. Pursuing God's heart is our greatest priority. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for these two passages of Scripture and these principles of priorities of compassion and mercy and your love for humanity. And so, Father, we thank you for the way that David, even in this text, and he didn't even realize it at the time, but the way that he points us to Jesus. Thank you for the way that Jesus opens our eyes even more to this story to its meaning, to see him elevated above all things in our lives. Our greatest need to receive Jesus, the bread of life. So Father, would you plant this truth deep in our hearts this morning, that wherever we are, we would all grow in our love for you, our longing for you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.